You're listening to Proudly Said, a Brave Questions Safe Spaces program series presented by VML Wynar's Diversity, Equity and Inclusion Practice. We're here today to discuss topics from across the rainbow spectrum designed to give listeners a deeper insight into the LGBTQ plus community, free of judgment and full of pride. Uh, the conversation shared on this episode sheds light into individuals' experience and is not meant to represent our entire community. My name is Mark. Um, today I'm joined by some colleagues from the wider, newly extended VML YNR family. So we have um, from VML YNRX and from VML YNR Commerce. And this is also coming to you from the UK and London. So hopefully giving a bit of a, um, a London and a European perspective on things as well. So before we do intros, um, our topic today is openness in the workplace. Um, even just some of the initial chats we had about these different companies starting to come together, um, I felt like this was a really evergreen and relevant topic for us to still um, discuss and talk about um, from the point of view of LGBTQ plus colleagues, but also as allies as well. Um, so we're going to look at all angles. So without further ado, I will um, do intros and maybe if we, if we start with Andy. Hi everyone, Hi, my name is Andy Wartner and I'm a head of strategy at VML YNR in London. I am with the agency for uh, five years now, yeah, so I joined back then VML and before that I worked in the management consulting space. We're going to talk about it a little bit later. I worked for Accenture Interactive and Deloitte Digital, so had a bit of a view of, the, of the, how the different worlds are working there and very much looking forward to this conversation. Hi, um, so I'm Lizzie Townsend. Um, I work for VMLY and RX, so it's slightly longer, <laughs> uh, so slightly more difficult to pronounce, and we're still getting our mouths around it. Um, but yeah, we are the healthcare arm of VMLY and R, um, and I am Associate Creative Director. Hi, everyone. My name is Victoria Chase. I'm Senior Digital Copywriter at VMLY and R Commerce. <laughs> just about got used to saying that now. Um, I've been there for just over a year and I'm part of the Roots group. Hi everyone, um, Rachel Ayodeti. Um, I'm a senior analyst at VML YNR. It's actually my fourth day, so I'm just really happy to be here. <laughs> Wonderful. Okay, um, let's get into it. So, um, first of all, we're going to just talk um, personal experience um, about openness in the workplace, how open we've felt we can be um, in VMLYNR versus previous workplaces, um, any challenges that we've run into um, as LGBT individuals. So, Andy, if you want to start us off. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think in in my experience, I've only experienced really the the the, the extremes, so to speak, from from openness to the workplace. Because when I started my career, that is now wait, yes, yeah, nearly twenty years ago, eighteen years ago, uh, that gives a little bit the age away. I started working for uh, an agency of the European Commission. Uh, in, back in Austria. And back then, uh, that was a very conservative workplace and it was it was barely possible to be out uh, there at all. Yeah? And I remember I had a couple of out colleagues who were all not coming out or in, in fear that them, that might actually impact their career. 
Um, so that was, I, I was there for a couple of years, but then joined Accenture and even back then already in 2007, so that's now 14 years ago, they already had a, uh, a diversity group in place and the diversity group really encouraged even the, or especially the younger ones or the, 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 the more junior team members, like the analysts and the fresh, the, the new joiners to be open about uh, the orientation as well as open about, well, anything of their private life. Life because because Accenture and I think uh, just like other corporate corporate businesses as well understand that there is a big business benefit to being open in the workplace because if you can be yourself you don't need to spend the energy on hiding who you are and then you can spend that energy uh, on your actual work and that was that was actually the first business case I remember that I ever heard about diversity and over the and over the course of my career then by just being open in the workplace, I could totally tell that bringing my personality to work and being open allowed me to have much more energy for work. And that feels great. And especially now, I think at BML YNR, we have a very open, um, we have a very open environment, a very open culture. And I think that really shows in, in everything that we do. And so, yeah, uh, I think having come quite a long way from the, uh, the very conservative workplace now to, to being in such an open, fantastic culture. Amazing. Yeah, so, I mean, I think it, there has been so much progress in that respect. And actually, that, that thought of have the energy that it takes to, to cover or to not be mm -hmm. open, it, it's so, so much better used elsewhere. Um, so true. Um, okay, so uh, Lizzie, you're up next. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, Mark. Um, yeah, so I've got a few more years on you. I think um, my, my um, career started about 20 years ago. So yeah, um, obviously things are different in different times and earlier on in my career. Um, but I've worked with a real range of like big agencies and small agencies. Um, and I think with uh, VML YNR being such a big network agency, I think that's brilliant. I think that's easier for me personally. That's my take. I think things are a little bit easier because there's so many people, there's a real want and expectancy for the agency to to want a diverse set of people and you know you're going to meet so many different people and I think um, I think it's it's easier whereas um, I found personally in smaller agencies um, it feels where there's there's definitely pros and cons but um, with a smaller agency it's a bit more eyes are on you and very much eyes are on your private life um, especially when you first join so that is, uh, makes it a little bit more difficult but there's really good and bad about that as well. Um, I mean, I think when you're in a smaller agency as well, it's 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 really lovely that they want to know more about your private life. And because there's a smaller number of people, you do end up talking about your lifestyle and that, and, and that is really lovely. Whereas I guess back to being a, within a, a larger agency, the pressure is off to talk about your life. Um, Maybe not so much now that we can see inside each other's homes and everything. So I think it's um, there's definitely some pros and cons there. But um, I think working in a big network agency for me always just feels, even from the get-go, more open. You know you're going to have a real diverse set of people to work with, um, and that really helps. Mm -hmm. And I think, I think I would say that feels really relevant in that openness doesn't have to mean always 
personal life front and center all the time. Sometimes you you, you want to be able to dial that back and forwards. Um, and it does feel like lockdown has meant like a more de a degree of intimacy almost like as we've people can see directly, you know, they see housemates, partners walking, walking behind cameras and things like that, depending on where you are. So um, it's really important for, to have the flex there. Mm -hmm. um, and then um, I'll pass, I'll pass to Rachel. So uh, maybe not expecting you to have a sense of VML YNR yet, given it's your, your first week, but um, go ahead. But it's um, even though you said that, it's really interesting because being invited to, to speak on this panel kind of means that my queerness has like come with me with like a beautiful badge of honor um, because you invited me because you read the work and uh, articles that I'd written around like being queer and like colorism in the queer community and like research into like different LGBT um, people's experiences. And that's something I wouldn't have had the confidence to do when I was a bit younger. So it's been interesting to see like the trajectory of the level of comfortability in my sexuality and the level of openness that I can portray to people and how that's fed into the work and the topics that I've researched and like written about. Um, so when I was a bit younger, like, because I wasn't as comfortable with my sexuality, I really overthought it. Like every single time I went into a new workplace or met a new person, I was like, oh my God, do I have to tell them? Like, how do I, how do I like sprinkle this into conversation? How do I like just make them feel comfortable enough for me to like, sh like to share this? And as I got, I've gotten older, it's been so much less of a, like a care or like a worry. Um, like it's, like starting being my why or not, I didn't even think oh, do I have to come out to anyone because I was just like they're gonna they're gonna know because I mentioned like my girlfriend or my partner or whoever so like easily in conversation. So I think it's been a really interesting journey for me to realize that um, as I've gotten more comfortable in my own skin, it's just been so much easier to be open uh, with people and just openness with other people makes it just easier to. I don't know, it just really, it, and informs the way, the way I work and the level of empathy I have for like different people as well. Um, just knowing like where I come from or like, um, or what I have, what, like what bisexuality is. So, so yeah, I, I just feel like it's been an interesting like journey for me. Amazing. Okay. And then, um, I, um, and then we're going to start getting into a little bit more of like the, the practicalities in terms of what we think can help with openness is, you know, is that about seeing senior people model, um, model behaviors, um, and or other, other things that can be done, other sensitivities around language that we, we can do. But, um, Victoria, I'm really pleased that you've joined us, um, to kind of represent the ally perspective on, on this panel. So I'd love to get your thoughts on like your experience of what you've seen in terms of people's ability to be open, um, in your, in your experience. Um, yeah, I've worked at smaller agencies in the past, and it seems sometimes when they talk around openness and diversity, it's mentioned in a you know a company meeting, and then it's moved on like a box ticking exercise, um, and there's sort of no conversation around it, which is what you really need. But since starting at BYC, I've found like there's real push to start the conversations and to listen to people's experiences and to take notes of how people feel comfortable being themselves at work. I think that's really important. BYC is really sort of capable of listening. And I think that 
how we're going to sort of continue to be open. Amazing. And I guess if, if I just add a little of like my personal experience onto the end of, before, uh, of this one, um, obviously, so Andy is actually my boss. So Andy did hire me and um, <laughs> originally, and, um, <laughs> I have, <laughs> I have been very fortunate um, in London to work at agencies where our, our ACD, our executive creative director has been openly gay, um, worked into an LGBT female CEO at my, my agency before Fiat Malwarnar. So it really does help, I think, from, from my point of view, if, if people at senior level are being open and honest about um, whatever, it's almost like, you know, about being open and disclosing and also um, encouraging others to do that and be honest. Um, I find that really helps, um, really helps set the cultural bar. Um, and so with that, actually, oh, yes, go ahead, Andy. No, I just wanted to say, I, I, I totally agree that I think when you have these role models in place, then it allows other people to just feel much more at ease. And frankly, I didn't, I didn't realize that uh, simply because I have to say that when I was more junior, I didn't have this role model. So I didn't, I, I couldn't relate to that. But then realizing that when you get more senior and you are in the role, and, and you are in these roles and you are, you, you have get the chance to be open there and just show others and show, show, show everybody basically that you're completely comfortable in your, in your skin and in your, in, in whatever you do in your, your life that has such a big impact because not everybody is as, as outgoing maybe, or as, uh, as maybe as assertive or obnoxious, uh, <laughs> sometimes as me, uh, but it's, it's about, uh, you know, it, you need to give everybody a, a voice. And I think by being a role model, sometimes you can give somebody a voice, even actually, even without knowing it. Uh, so, because it's, I think it's similar to like what we see on the media, like what we see on TV. It's similar to, uh, let's say, politics. Yeah, when there will be a, I don't know, like in Ireland, when the when there was the the, the gay prime minister, I think that's a that's a big thing, right? And so uh, I think to to have gay people in, uh, in, 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 in senior positions or any kind of position in our life, I think that it allows us to just realize that it's, that it's, yeah, that it's, that it's normal. Right. And, uh, I mean, maybe that's still worth mentioning that, that, <laughs> that in, that in German, and I don't know how it is in other languages, but in, in German still, it's, it's like there's gay and there is normal, right? <laughs> so normal is the opposite of gay, which is so odd. Yeah. Mm. Uh, just from a, from a vernacular perspective. And so, uh, that is, that's obviously not official, but that's basically how people talk. And so I think that, that by bringing gays into normality, so to speak, uh, in, into the normal life, we can, we can work against that and, and really make sure that yeah, that, that everybody understands it doesn't really matter uh, who you fall in love with to uh, to be a good person. That's very deep. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's quite a nice segue into um, these kind of practicalities. We know that like maybe a couple of a lot of people listening to this might um, be acting more from the ally position. Um, and I think it'd be really interesting for us to think now about um, things like language. Um, you know, if you meet uh, a queer colleague and you're not sure how they identify or what their pronouns might be. Mm. Um, some of these, I, I think, like we say in Vimo or another sense, because it's such a, uh, 
you know, uh, open and welcoming culture. The, the good intent is always there, um, but sometimes people don't quite have the tools or the language to know exactly that they're doing the right thing. So maybe if we will go back around the panel and um, mix up the order. So I I was hoping, uh, Victoria, if you don't mind um, leading the charge on this one, um, in terms of, you know, um, things to avoid or tip the tips and tricks for help, helping people to feel open, um, particularly if, yeah, if you're as an ally or, yeah, if you really, if you meet any colleague and um, you want to be sensitive to how they identify and um, how do the best ways of going about that? Um, well, we've actually been talking about this quite a lot in Roots. And we've um, added pronouns to our emails. And I think that kind of helps some people. And also in meetings, when we have the introductory slides, there's the option now to include your pronouns, which I think can help uh, avoid any awkward situations, perhaps with new clients. Uh, but then I think there's also the other side where you don't want people to feel they they have to use them if they're not quite comfortable. So it's kind of finding a balance between making people comfortable, but they're not pushing them to open up about something they're perhaps not ready to. Uh, and I think at least the conversation is there. If the conversation and the option is there, then that, that's a brilliant start. 100%, I think. The pronouns point, um, which we can now all have, I think, across FIMA YNR, that's, you know, that's a kind of official and people can put that in their email signature, I think, has had such a, a big impact um, and really helps, you know, normalize the idea that, you know, um, don't, don't assume. Um, and, yeah, it, it kind of it sets the tone in a really nice way. Um, the idea of kind of meetings as well feels really interesting. Um, okay, so uh, let's go to Rachel. Um, I agree, uh, Richard Victoria, in terms of the pronouns in the email signature. I also think that it's really important to ask the questions if you're confused or you want clarification, but also like I think the job of an ally is to like self-educate. Um, so there are like, especially um, over the past year, there's been like so many really helpful like infographics and Instagram pages and things just dedicated to like education, like in the most digestible way. So I feel like even though lots of people have good intentions, that good intention needs to be mirrored with like personal action as well. Like going out of your way to educate yourself on ways in which you can be a better ally to like queer people and to also just realise that every queer person is, like, existing in, like, a, diff a completely different experience. Like, something that um, Elizabeth might face might be completely different to something that I'm facing. So just really, like, find, like finding ways to tailor, like, uh, your approaches to different people, I think is really important because you kind of can't um, tar all, like, LGBT people with the same brush because we all have, like, different experiences and different life experiences and different lenses in which we're seeing the world. Um, so I think that's really important to note. Yeah, I think that's it's so true, isn't it? That you've got the work, you have to do the work <laughs> as an ally. Um, and it is. it has been amazing to see how many of those resources have kind of popped up. Um, I always think sometimes that um, 
I know this is, it can sound trivial, but there's so much um, in terms of LGBTQ representation in TV and film now um, can be such a good starting point for starting to put yourselves in someone's position. And exactly realizing that, you know, every, everyone's personal experience is going to be slightly different. Um, Okay. So, I, oh, go ahead. Sorry, Angel. I, yeah. I, I'm going to agree with you in terms of lots of LGBT. Um, well, there's some LGBT representation more than there was, but it's kind of like it's interesting to see like who's represented in the community and who isn't. So just kind of like taking notes of like who is represented and who is missing, and trying to like educate yourself on what's missing because I think right now there's like a popular narrative about like LGBT people that is pushed and that is expressed and represented, but also to get like a more like holistic view of the community it's really important to like see and learn about the experiences of trans people learn about the experiences mm. of like uh black and brown lgbt people um so i think that's i don't know just something to note uh that all uh representation on tv isn't the full story isn't the full story 100 percent. and i think if um i guess thinking about also um kind of the in the industry we're in we also know that there are massive gaps in representation in other ways um, that, yeah, still, you know, still need to be, still need to be worked on. Um, and with even, even actually even just thinking about pulling together panels for podcasts like this, um, very conscious that, yeah, um, we're not going to conclusively cover every, every experience. Maybe that is, maybe that is also something, if you might just jump in here and here, I think it might also be a, uh, a, a topic now or an, an area where also the different generations, so to speak, can all the generational views can come in because so me being a little bit older here, I've, I have a slightly different view. So for example, I think that we have come, come, come quite a long way or come quite a far way, maybe because I've experienced the, the complete opposite to now being open in the workplace. So for me, I think the most important thing is in, whenever there is a conversation or anything else is intent. So no matter if it's from an ally or from another LGBT person or from, 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 from a straight colleague, for me, the intent counts. So like when, when, when somebody don't know how to, 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 to address me, then, and it, and it's meant in good spirit for, for me, that is, that, that's the main thing. Yeah. And, and Rachel, I totally get your points that, that, that maybe your generation sees it more as, I don't want to make it generational. Yeah. No, <laughs> I, I agree with you there. But, but I because, agree with you. Because I think that, that, that might be some, something where I can see also working with millennials, but also working with Gen Z now that they, that, that a lot of the Gen Z's, for example, they grow up in a, in a quite different world already. Mm. Yeah. So they, they are, they are thankfully asking always for more and, and, mm. and aiming for more maybe. Yeah. But for me, it is, I think the intent that counts, uh, that that's, that's one of the, the, the important thing. And, uh, and therefore I think that, yeah, that, 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 that sometimes maybe to, to accepting also when, when, when other people maybe make mistakes or, 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 or saying something that is not completely right, because, uh, frankly happen, ha happens to me as well. Right. I mean, nobody, mm. no, no, nobody there is perfect. Sorry that I jumped in. I was just thinking that that might be something where a 40 year old and a, let's say a 20 year old might probably have a very different opinion, um, with regards to what is okay and what's not okay. Yeah. I, I, sorry, jump in again, but I do agree with you that it is it couldn't be a bit generational because um you mentioned that intent is really important to you but 
I'm very much about like impacts. Like, yeah. did it did it affect me? Did it affect people who look like me? Mm-hmm. Did it affect like uh, like my community? Then the, the impact is felt, even if the intent is good. I think in I can make rationale like the intent was um, the intent wasn't bad. So maybe I can like just try and like forgive or like bypass the feeling, but the impact is still ever present. I don't know. I do I do think that might be um, a generational thing. Yeah. Now I feel old. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Sorry, sorry Lizzie. Yes, that's good. To, I think that might be a good theme to pick up, you know, um, assumptions or like what we would now describe as kind of microaggressions or things that you have to deal with. And that, and if if there are mistakes that are being made, it would be interesting to hear, Lizzie, if you've had any any experience of that. Yeah, actually, yeah, I was going to say, I think, I think it's just so difficult to learn as such, um, isn't it? Because we're all just so different. Um, like you said, we're from di- different age groups, people were just so different. What one thinks, one won't. And uh, so there's no learning as such. And even if you were to take something like sensitivity of language, that's so different from one person to another. So it's very difficult to try and learn what is right or wrong, because I don't think there is a right or wrong and you don't know in what context something is going to come up. And I just think the best thing we can do or the best thing that that brings the most value is podcasts like this, where you just hear different people's perspectives and everyone's different, but just hearing a broad range of different people's experiences or challenges just helps you a little bit understand and hear things that you wouldn't normally hear. And by opening up, this is when we do hear things that, oh, I was a bit affected by that, but, you know, I didn't know whether I should be. And just hearing different voices and, and stuff is just so, so important. And just, yeah, touching on uh, microaggressions. Uh, we're trying to collate a lot of people's stories of uh, uh, microaggressions and how they how they were affected. I just think that's so so valuable. Like there will be so many things in there that I have never heard that I wouldn't even take into consideration. So having a broad range of people's stories about challenges is is really really great. And you know I've been really really lucky. I don't think I've really had that many challenge challenges. Um, I've been really, really lucky everywhere I've worked. My family have been exceptional. I've been really, really lucky. But I did have a couple of challenges. Um, uh, Just for one example, I worked for another larger agency where um, I was expected to kind of lad it up because I was the only girl within uh, a group of a large group of males and uh, they were more senior to me and they kind of wanted to me to act like one of the lads and I felt quite a lot of pressure there to pass comment on girls that were walking past or or, 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 or things like that and I, I felt really really super uncomfortable there mm-hmm. and it wasn't until quite a while after that I realized oh that kind of wasn't cool but you know it was wonderful that I was being embraced in a way with the guys but there was this kind of weird level where it made me feel uncomfortable and they were never to know that. And, you know, it's not until you hear things from people, people's perspective, um, that you just think, ah, oh, right. I, yeah, now I can see how in that, in that set of circumstances, that's how someone could feel. So, um, yeah, any learnings from lots of different people is just, it's just amazing. But isn't it, I think it's so fascinating to hear from you, Lizzie, because, 
I think that hearing other people's stories, exactly as you said, helps you understand what the person felt in that moment. Uh, because you would sometimes just don't think of it. Uh, and I think that's coming back a little bit to uh, to the fact that in the agency world, um, I mean, especially I can say at, at VML Art, we are very, very diverse, I would say, with regards to social backgrounds, with regards to the countries we are from, obviously any kind of different lens of diversity we have basically in, in our teams. And by being so diverse, we have sometimes a culture clash, I think. And that culture clash can show in the vernacular that we are using, uh, that can show in the tone that we are using, that can show in, in so many different things. So I think that by, by having these different cultures, then it can happen so easily that somebody gets, I don't want to say offended because it already has such a negative connotation, but that somebody gets affected by something that somebody else says or does even though the other person didn't mean to do it. And again, I'm, I'm coming back, back to the intent. It's not only the intent, I think, that counts, but also who says it, right? So with regards to if somebody is close to you and, uh, and, and you know the person longer for, for, let's say, two, three years or so, and you've worked together and you have, you, you've, you've gone through the, you know, the late night pitch nights and whatever, then, then you're much closer to each other. And I think then the person can also say things that are a little bit more teasing than somebody new or maybe, uh, I don't know, yeah, somebody that you don't know so well. And so there's a, a number of different parameters that are coming together, you know, the culture, then what the personal relationship is you have with the person, then, then, uh, yeah, so these different lenses come together and then so easily somebody can be negatively affected. And I think it's the most important thing that we tell each other when such a situation happens as, as adults and simply say, you know what, that didn't really make me feel comfortable. And it should be okay to say that to somebody else. And it, it should be by all means be the other way around. I have to say in the beginning, I made a joke about, about the politics. And I was, uh, I was talking in, when I was in the US recently, uh, recently, 2019, obviously before the pandemic. Um, and we, and I talked to somebody about politics and I didn't know that he's clearly from, uh, um, yeah, the other side of the politi political spectrum. I didn't realize how offended he was then by what I was saying. And it's, it's just an example for sometimes when you don't understand where the other side sits then then a comment that you think is okay to make is actually not maybe that that was a long setup for that statement yeah but that's what i wanted to say yeah and i wonder if i'm going to attempt to summarize but i also don't want to kind of flatten some of the you know i always feel like with these conversations you start to it's we start to unpick so many different angles it was thinking about how we we kind of started with openness in the workplace, but it almost feels like just through the experiences that we've shared, um, openness is almost, what, that's almost a first step. You know, if there's a culture of openness, um, that's brilliant, but then you have to deal with the kind of messy reality and um, perhaps, um, you know, um, that's where there's, there's a lot of work to be done and we need to be careful in terms of probably understanding just how intersectional that is um, and trying to yeah, find a way through, um, and there's not, a, there's not necessarily a simple solution. Um, I wonder if as a kind of way to just finish, maybe just we'll go through, we'll go around again, um, kind of in terms thinking about openness in the workplace and probably what, like, what is the next frontier for this? I think this interesting kind of generational thought as well. So 
Is there anything specific to the situation of working from home or being on Zoom calls and things where we can try to make sure we're still encouraging openness when there isn't the same kind of interaction? And I will go to Victoria for that first. Um, really good question. I'm also trying to think of a way to sum up. Uh, I think from what we've been saying before, I think there's a lot of things that you know, someone could say that wouldn't they wouldn't realise they take offence to. So there's a lot of unlearning as well of little things that people might not realise um, could hurt someone. Mm -hmm. And while we're on Zoom and kind of in a way feel a little bit more personal, like we were saying at the beginning, you know, we're singing to each other's houses. Perhaps it's um, easier for someone to send a message rather than see someone face to face. So like a team's message, mm -hmm. you know, in future, please be aware of this um, without having to face that person in the office every day. So maybe there's an opportunity now to get those sorts of things out without having to be forced to do it face to face. And I think maybe to add on, on this, Victoria, I think it's a really good point to, to think about the different tools that we have at hand, right? Because in, of course, in the office when we are, we also have a lot of tools at hand. But I think now there is so many ways, different ways of communicating with each other. And I think by choosing a certain channel, you already show a little bit also the type of relationship that you have. You know, you don't normally go straight to WhatsApp, yeah, <laughs> or, or something, something that's close. So you can maybe think about what's the type of of channel that you that you can use. I mean, uh, one thing that I just wanted to bring up is that that I think that the agency world, if I could just compare it briefly with with the consulting world, in in the agency world, it's very diverse, right? And that's the, the reason for that is that in the agency world, we appreciate diverse points of view and like. A, a, I don't know, a creative will see things very different from a strategist, will see it very different from a tech guy. And therefore, therefore, in the end, we come up with a very a, a fantastic outcome that is more than the sum of its, its parts. Versus in consulting, the, they, they are very homogenous workforces and they are that, that's their business model, right? To have reproducible structures and frameworks. So there's 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 much less diversity in the thinking, which is which is totally fine because that's their business model. But it just shows that in the agency world, we have basically, uh, I would say, either clashes, yeah, uh, basically as part of the way that we are set up, right? I mean, there will always be, I don't know, uh, a little banter going on with creatives, and there will always be another banter going on with maybe, maybe with client engagement. So I think that 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 this banter, which is a huge part of our culture, and but creating culture can also be a place or a source of negativity, right? Because it's as we, we talked about it a couple of times now that the that these little interactions, these microaggressions, they might be meant in a very different way. Lizzie, to to you, to your experience in, in in the previous agency, maybe maybe these guys, you know, who knows that they thought that is that is embracing you and your sexuality. Rather than, than oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah, no, absolutely. I'm sure, I'm sure that was the case. Yeah, yeah. So, so maybe just, just, just one thing. What I, what I'm actually trying to say is that it's always worth thinking what could the other, how, how could the other person perceive something. So always just thinking, how will the other person see this? Because just because me as the 40 year old strategist sees from Austria 
find something funny. Yeah, doesn't mean that the twenty-year-old creative from from England would find something funny in inverted commas. So just always try to think how the other person feels. But that's not something for a for a diversity podcast. I think that's in general in life <laughs> probably something useful to do. I just think that hopefully when we do finally start seeing each other in person again we've done so well for the last year and i think things will get easier as we have that human contact and like you said that that, that culture is much easier to to have when you're uh, in a physical environment and you have those relationships with people and you can have a closer bond and um, but we've, we've done so well the last year i just think it will it will help as we all start coming together again and being able to read a room again and uh not having said things said in just an email format you know hopefully just you know things are going to be far more positive as we move out of lockdown i was thinking that um i think that moving forward when we move out of lockdown that the level of hopefully like flexibility like continues um i think flexibility and just understanding around like people's working hours and just the ways in which people work better that suits them as like a person like personally i feel like if we carry that forward when we're uh, in an office situation i think that would be really beneficial and I don't know, even though we've only been in this for a year and a bit, I think there are so, so many lessons that can be learned from the ways that we have worked and so many things that we can carry forward, which hopefully suit a more diverse range of people's like lifestyles. Um, so I think that's hopefully something that we can like think about and take forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. As a, it's, uh, it's not just practical flexibility, it's actually an openness in terms of the way that different people need mm -hmm. to work um and that is going to vary and that might be affected by how you know how you identify um i think that's a brilliant parting thought one of the things in terms of my experience which and of openness and being able to be open which i've loved is when people don't make assumptions um yeah i'm some someone that like tends it tends i'm quite visibly gay um usually i don't have to tell people but i think um some people obviously do kind of pass more or um but it's lovely when someone ha you know has read something or they've seen your twitter and they know already or um or they, they just don't assume and so you don't just get someone being like oh um you do, do you have a girlfriend that that's just a really nice consideration and i know it's it, it can feel quite more superficial but it, it it's nice for people not to assume in that respect so that would be my my parting thought yeah that's good i think i think it's a really good one mark and again maybe, maybe i'm giving you the uh um maybe the uh, uh the, the grandpa view here but i think if people would also just you know in just assume good intent yeah i think we are we are an organization of good people so let's just assume that the other side actually meant it in a nice way yeah i think that it would help us probably all to just just i don't want to say relax a little bit but probably relax a little bit <laughs> that that sometimes things you know things are tough enough at the moment yeah i think with with the lockdown with the pandemic it's tough enough right so let's let's make each other's other's life nicer uh, instead of harder i think just be nice and you will be treated nicely that's my parting thought okay uh victoria um, I would say from my point of view, 
see anything I can do to make everyone feel comfortable, like in the workplace. Everyone I work with, I want them to feel comfortable. So if having conversations like this helps that, then I think we just need to keep having these conversations. I think what I've taken from this or one thing I've been thinking a lot about is the theme of like openness and ways in which it's easier to be open when you see yourself represented, when you see role models, but also when you, when you know that there are other people with like a similar identity and similar story and narrative to you. And I just, I feel like our industry is definitely going in the right way. And I just really look forward to a time where like everyone feels represented in their leaders and in their seniors. And they also, uh, that re- that's reflected in the work they do and the potential they feel like they have in themselves. Cause that's something I've definitely like realized when I've noticed more queer people in senior positions, I felt like I too can be in a senior position. So now that I'm like a senior analyst or whatever, I, f- I hopefully feel like I can meet people in more junior positions and they can see, okay, this is a black queer woman. So if I'm a black queer woman in a junior position, I know that this line is, this route is possible. Um, that was really like optimistic, which was nice. Cause I was, th- I, I was like, um, how am I going to end this? But I just think it's amazing to see, um, people from your same community. And it's amazing to see the intersection of identities play a massive part and a really positive part in amazing work and amazing and an amazing humans so that was me i think it's been really productive even in this as a kind of single conversation but to bring like we said at the beginning to bring people together from the wider the newly extended vml vinyl family from rx from commerce um and to try and make sure we have these conversations with of course you know lgbtq plus uh, team members, but also the ally perspective um, and making sure that that we are involving as many different points of view as possible. So that feels like it's, we've, we've managed it with this. Um, it feels, feels good. So um, hopefully a good note to end on. Proudly Said is a podcast series as part of our Brave Questions Safe Spaces program, a program that serves as a springboard for VML YNR employees around the world to share, learn, empathize, and better understand each other. Thank you for tuning in. Um, don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or Spotify to keep up with the latest episodes.